1: Live from the Mecca Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face. I'm your host, Sean McCraney, standing with a very handsome crew. To my left is a crew all the way up from Kansas City, Missouri. We have Luke, we have his wife, Ashley, and we have Corey, and they are out to plant a church uh, beginning in summer. Is that right, Luke? That's correct. Yeah. And uh, what's the plan? What's the name of the church, and where will you be located?
0: The name of the church will be Salt Mine Mine Church. We're going to be located in uh, South Jordan. Um, It's going to be a non denominational church. Excellent. um, Using home Bible study fellowships throughout the week, breaking bread house to house like in Acts chapter 2. So we're really excited to be coming to this community and sharing the gospel
1: here. That is awesome. We need it. What's up? Marnita's saying something to me. What is it, please? Repeat what you said. Okay. Oh, I'll repeat it. I'll repeat it. They're going to be starting a a church in South Jordan. South Jordan. And it's going to be called Salt Mine Church. And they're going to be going from house to house doing uh, Bible studies and uh, fellowshipping and and communion, things like that. Now, I want you to know uh, they're from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I've been talking before the show here to Ashley. Ashley has been blind, uh, essentially from birth. But her husband tells me that she is trained on the, what the? Chainsaw. Chainsaw rescue team. Disaster relief. Disaster relief. So uh, I made a very uh, uh, interesting comment, which Ashley very much appreciated. And I said that I had ran into a blind barber, and uh, she said... uh, can't hear them. She said that, um, yeah, that she really appreciated that joke. And I then was going to say that she has done both uh, uh, my friend over here, Gaylene, and my hair with with a uh, uh, chainsaw. (laughs) We appreciate you guys being on the show. God bless y'all. Now, this is Gaylene. She takes tracks all the way out from Ogden to be with us. And uh, she is one of the hardest working women in America. Mm-hmm. She throws newspapers in the morning. She picks up trash at, uh, what's it called? Lagoon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's really good to have all these folks on the show. We love you very much. Thanks for being on. Thank you. And good luck with the church plant. Oh wait, Gaylene has something to say.
2: I love all you LDS people. And there are people out there probably know who I am. And I hope and pray you see the truth. Read the Bible, please. because That's the true word of God.
1: Amen. Thank you, Gaylene. We uh, praise the true and living God for allowing us to participate in this ministry, his ministry. May he be with you and us tonight. Heart of the Matter can be seen right now live streaming video from anywhere in the world. You can also go to our archives and watch any program for the past six years. Uh, All of them available at www.hotm.tv. Join us as we seek to support the Salt Lake Rescue Mission as they help the less fortunate with what? Brand new socks in the back package, uh, we hope, and uh, new or new, nearly new gently used men's and women's winter coats. It's cold. It's cold in here right now and, uh, and uh, they are out on the street. Come here to the station between 9 and 3 p.m. Monday through Friday and we'll deliver them in bulk over to the mission on your behalf. So far there's been a great success from uh, the people of the community and viewers of KTMW TV 20, so we praise him for that. Are you going to church? Uh, Why not, you big chicken? Get off your tookuses and get into church. And we have a church for you if you're like, oh, I'm not into church. I hate church. I hate religion. Uh, I can't stand the worship, you know, Christian churches because I was LDS and whatever it is, you know, we have a different approach. You can come check us out or any other church, like the one that's being planted. There's so many in the state, but get to church, you know, Uh, it's not that the church saves you. Uh, But we are commanded to come together as like-minded believers. You do learn the Word, and maybe you'll add something to somebody's life by you attending rather than just looking to be fed all the time. Anyway, we meet at the University of Utah on Sundays. 10 a.m. we call the Milk Gathering. 2.30 we call the meat. Uh, You can expect the teachings to be kind of uh, correlated to those names. Want more info? Go to www.campus.com. There's hyphens between each of those letters because it's an acronym. Uh, We we are producing a brand-new television program called The X-Files. It's hosted by Bishop Earl and will begin to air in February 2012, God willing. It's a half an hour interview show, and we need people who were once LDS and are now Christian to come on air and tell us their story. We've been doing some interviews the past week, and we're going to continue to do that throughout this month. Interested? Go to www.xmormonfiles.tv, sign up. Uh, we'll get in touch with you. That's www.exmormonfiles.tv. All right, how about a moment from the Word? There's an interesting trend that I see here in the state of Utah. I don't see it in California, having lived there uh, most of my life, and I haven't seen it in other states, but it may occur. But I can't help but believe that the trend here is a a mere reflection of uh, what lies at the core of Mormonism, and that is uh, the praise of man. Uh, What I see are billboards that are praising men of the community who have, uh, I guess, lived successful lives. These billboards typically picture an elderly man in a a white shirt and a tie and a suit, and uh, their name writ large up there on the billboard, and below their picture it will say something like, J. Henry Jones, humanitarian, businessman, community leader, such praise for man. The same honor is given reflected uh, in tombstones in cemeteries LDS family plots throughout the state, but especially here in Salt Lake City. Giant monolithic monuments with popular Mormon names etched into the stone. You know, Hinckley, Smith, Kimball, these huge monuments to their contributions. Uh, Monuments honoring the dead, billboards flexing the power of flesh. Tonight we come to the end of the Gospel of John chapter 2. At verse 23 uh, through 25 it says, Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles that he did. Listen to this. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man, end quote. The word commit here in that he did not commit himself unto them is better translated, he did not believe in them. In other words, it's, but Jesus did not let himself believe in the men around him. He didn't put his trust or reliance on them. He did not put his well-being in their hands. He knew the human nature of our inconsistency and fickleness and possibly how unsafe it would have been for him to trust them. Verse 25 expresses this further. Speaking of Jesus, it says, and he needed not that any should testify of man. That means he didn't need any testimonies testifying of them, for he knew what was in man. How did Jesus know what was in all men? He created us. This is how he knew to call who to call as his disciples. Uh, he knows the intentions of man's heart and the false and true pretensions, and he sees the hearts of the hypocrite. None can deceive him by billboard, by tombstone, or by feigned words. Where the LDS put up paintings of themselves in their conference centers, billboards of their elite, and monuments over graves that all say praise to the man, essentially, the Lord said in First Samuel six sixteen seven. The Lord said unto Samuel, look not unto his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart, end quote. Just what is the cost for this image making that goes around in Mormon communities and in the LDS church? What's the demand for this outward perfection? I recently received an email and they uh, gave me a link to a blog that said this, quote, my nephew, who was a straight-A student in high school, scored almost a perfect score in his ACT test and had aspirations to be a pediatrician someday, shot himself in the head within a year of returning home early from a mission to Russia. It all started with the pressure from his dad, who was a bishop, and at the time of his death as stake president, the kid was always pushed to be a perfect student perfect priesthood holder to serve an honorable mission and where nothing but excellence would be acceptable. Shortly into his mission, he came down with an illness and deep depression. He was overprescribed with large doses of antidepressants, which eventually caused permanent damage to his brain. They continued to try to treat him on his mission, but he kept getting worse. To come home early was unthinkable. He was finally forced to go home early, but by that time, he was severely depressed and felt like a complete failure. He would not go out in public and spent long hours in the dark. When others, uh, spoke, when he spoke to others, he would be shaking. They tried all kinds of antidepressants, counseling, and even shock therapy. Through all of this, he completely quit going to church and refused to participate in any of its activities. The day he killed himself, his psychiatrist told him, We have done all we can do for you. You've got to start helping yourself. He went, they went home, and within five minutes of being home, he went into his room and shot himself with a large hunting rifle. The reason I share this story is because of all the pressure and guilt we see put on youth today to live up to the perfect Mormon mold, to someday have their countenance put on a billboard, to have their name etched in a monument over their de- uh, decaying corpses. The the writer continues, but what I found ironic was how they handled the funeral. Because his dad was a stake president, they had a general authority who did not even know him come and speak about everything except their son. Others spoke of how he was now doing what he wanted to do most of his life, serving his mission, but out in the next life. I guess they forgot that he quit going to church. Nobody talked about how fun-loving he had been when he was younger and how sweet and kind he was before they robbed him of his youth. They just talked about church accomplishments and how they just know he is proselyting and fulfilling his lifetime ambition of a full and honorable mission now free of illness. It makes me sick, the writer writes, how much, they put, how much they put a spin on things. Nobody acknowledges the fact that the church leads many of its youth into suicide by making these young men feel like failures when they choose a different path or lifestyle. They threaten no financial support for college and marriages if they don't do their duty. Just last week, another distant relative killed himself just shy of his 20th birthday. He had chosen not to go on a mission and had to deal with the lack of support from his family. Before the uh, email ends, the writer asks, How many others have seen the tragedies of suicide in their families due to these religious pressures? End quote. Far too many, my friend. Far too many. And if not by suicide, then depression, anxiety, and wholesale emotional bondage. Listen, any man-made system aimed at perfecting man and creating a utopia here on earth, whether it be communism or a uh, maniac trying to create a master race or Mormons bent on making people gods, will end in far more human tragedy than success, especially in the eternities. Um, I pray for families like this. We pray for people who are in this bondage because it is real. And with that, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we love you and need you in our lives. We pray that you'll be with us now as we uh, go through the program, that I'll say the words you want me to say and the tone that you want me to say, them. bless our audience wherever they may be. We pray you'll bless families who are in bondage and fearful to leave. We pray you'll bless the youth of this state, whoever they are, that they will come to the light and truth. We pray for the six police officers who were gunned down uh, just last week in Ogden, for their families and for the other officers who are dealing with this uh, uh, terrible tragedy. We love you, Lord. We need you and pray uh, always to be in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we're going to take a brief respite tonight from the Book of Mormon. I just can't take another week of preparing that, so I had to take a break. You know, anyone involved in reaching out to the LDS are constantly confronted with the same accusations over and over again. The LDS constantly say, uh, why do you pick on us? Uh, we don't ever pick on anyone else. They say, "Jesus would never pick on another religion," and they say, "Why don't you just teach what you believe and leave us to uh, believe what we want to believe?" In my case, they often say, "You're just in this for the money until uh, people have examined my personal finances, and they stop doing that." So now we know we know that God sends His love and goodness on the just and the unjust. The rain and sun falls upon uh, the heads of child molesters and rapists and murderers and thieves and gossips as much as it falls on even the best Christians alive. Our true and living God allows billions of people to embrace and worship false notions about him, to burn incense to idols, to writhe around with evil spirits and to do all kinds of unconscionable things even in his name. He allows that to go on on this earth. He allows people living in truth or living a lie to freely thrive, enjoy life, and prosper while in the flesh. I have two points to make relative to these observations. First, if God allows people to believe and behave in these ways and he continues to bless them, shouldn't our attitude, shouldn't my attitude be the same? Uh, uh, The answer is yes, it should. It should be completely the same. And my attitude is. Uh, I personally and completely endorse any person's right to believe, live, and worship any way they want. I would never condemn a person for choosing Mormonism, Catholicism, or any other ism. It's their right, and I will always love and befriend these people in spite of their choices to believe these things. Do you understand that? I hope. I'm not at all about treating people badly or hating anybody because of their personal choices on how they believe uh, and if even if they refuse to embrace the true and living God uh, and or if they uh, embrace a false religion. If you think this is what this program is about or that's what I'm about, you've got it, really, you've got it all wrong. So what are we doing here? Uh, This leads me to the second point about what we said about God. Just because I believe people are free to do and believe as they wish, it doesn't mean I will not do all I can to share, discuss, prove their ways and opinions errant, Uh, especially when it comes to speaking for what God says. Notice that while God blesses the just and the unjust with rain and sun, he is constantly calling and reaching out to everybody to hear his truth all the time. He, his arms are um, constantly outstretched to, for people of all walks to hear him. Notice God doesn't just throw up his hands and say, ah, forget it. You know they're not going to believe me, so just leave them alone and uh, let them f- roil around in all their crazy stuff. That's not what he did, not in the least. Instead, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, and but have everlasting life. Now, notice that his Son spent his life um, teaching and correcting false religious notions. And did you know faith comes by teaching? Uh, And it comes by teaching the word of God. So there is a need, according to the Christian textbook, the Bible, that for us to constantly be trying to uh, provide people with answers to compare and contrast the lies of men, the philosophies of men, with the truth of the living God. It's our responsibility and duty to do that. Does it mean we don't love you? No. Does it mean I hate you? Not in the least. I could travel with almost anybody, regardless of what your lifestyle is or religion, and be perfectly good with you. But when it comes to religion and what we do, we're going to spend our time teaching you the truth. So we, like God Himself, love those even those who are severely lost, so much that we take the time to share the truth with them, even if they don't like it. And while I personally believe all men and, have, men and women have the right to do and believe and think whatever they want, I think this way because God thinks this way, I will forever uh, take time to point out errors. And here's the point, listen closely. Especially when errant people try to say that they are Christian, You see, people will say, how come you don't pick on Islam? How come you don't pick pick on Buddhism? Because they are not claiming to be Christian. I have to defend our faith. I have to defend what the Bible says. And they are not saying we believe the Bible. They're not saying that we use the Bible and that we're Christian. They believe something completely different, so I leave them alone. This is why we go after Mormons. After having been one for 40 years, I know that they te- what they teach and believe, and now I know what the Bible says. So while I believe every uh, Latter-day Saint has the freedom and right to pursue their religion, I will continue and we will continue to do all we can to help them see the light. Now, is Mormonism, good old Mormonism, a real threat? I mean, uh, to me it is, and I'll tell you why. There are a billion Muslims out there in the world and a billion non-Christian faiths and a billion Satanists and everything else, but my family remains LDS, not my wife and my children, but my parents and my brothers and sisters and their spouses and my nieces and nephews. All my old friends remain LDS, deluded by this farce. People I love here in this state are still deluded and in chains and these chains are just as strong upon them as the chains of somebody addicted to heroin as the chains of somebody addicted to false religion, as the chains of somebody addicted to Buddhism or, or Islam. The chains are as strong, okay? Uh, so let's look at the LDS Offensive and what they are doing. Mormonism today has 50 to 60,000 full-time missionaries going door to door every day of the week. Do you know what these missionaries are telling people? They're telling them that they are Christian that they are the only true Christians, and that Jesus is the head of their church, that they represent him. This is gonna sting, but I say it because I love you. They are telling the world lies. Those clean-cut, good-looking young men and women are lying. Oh, is that too harsh? First and foremost, they represent themselves as representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are not, this is a lie. Why? Well, listen on. Getting in the door, the missionaries teach that the church Jesus established failed and needed to be restored by a man named Joseph Smith. That is a lie. They say that God the Father has a body of flesh and bone who appeared to Joseph Smith in 1820 and told him all the churches on earth were corrupt. That's a lie. They teach that the Bible cannot be trusted because it has been translated incorrectly. That is a lie. They say that another book called the Book of Mormon is the most correct book on the face of the earth and it will bring a person closer to God than any other book. That is a lie. They teach that an angel of light appeared to Joseph Smith and revealed to him the location of some very golden plates, another lie. They teach that Joseph Smith translated these plates by the gift and power of God and by all these other means, all lies. They teach that John the Baptist returned to earth, laid his hands on Joseph Smith and gave him an Aaronic priesthood, a lie. They teach him that Peter, James, and John appeared to Joseph Smith too and restored a Melchizedek priesthood to him. Another big lie. They teach that God would never leave the world without a true and living prophet like Moses on the earth, a lie. Look at the uh, intertestamentary period. There is no prophets on the earth for 400 years. There's been no prophets on the earth in terms of like unto Moses since Jesus ascended. They say Thomas S. Monson is a living prophet like unto Moses today. That's a lie. Jesus is the prophet. They teach that Jesus' true church must have 12 living apostles. A lie. Those 12 gave their lives for the testimony of Jesus being resurrected and they shed their blood for it. They teach that there are 12 living apostles on earth today. That's 12 lies. Every one of them. They teach that all human beings lived before as uh, this life as spirit beings. This is a lie. Jesus is the only preexistent being to ever walk this earth. They teach that Jesus was a created spirit being too, just like us. And he had to come to earth to get a body just like us. Lie, 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 lie. They teach that in order to please Heavenly Father to be saved, that everyone has to submit to obeying laws and ordinances, lies. And they teach that these ordinances are only accepted if done by Mormons and that they include water baptism, priesthood confirmation of membership in the Mormon church, the reception of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands of a man who supposedly holds a fictional priesthood, Receiving a higher priesthood if a male is necessary. Receiving the new and everlasting covenant in the Mormon temple is necessary. And being meritedly sealed in a Mormon t- temple for time and all eternity is necessary. Lie, 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 lie. Then they uh, teach that in order for a person to be qualified to live with Heavenly Father, they must also obey laws and principles. They say you must obey the law of chastity. You must obey the law of tithing. You must obey the law of the Sabbath, the law of a consecrated life, the principle of fulfilling your callings and assignments, the principles of always sustaining your LDS leaders, and the principle of always, always, always enduring to the end. Lie, 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 lie and they teach that the cross is simply a symbol for physical death and torture barbaric physical death and torture and does not have any more significance to man that's the biggest dumbest lie of all if somewhat informed they will say god told joseph to practice polygamy just to help women get social status because there was more women around than men at that time a lie If uninformed, they say Joseph never practiced polygamy. Stupid lie. And if totally informed, they say plural marriage was a practice with Mormonism today has nothing to do. A big, fat lie. They call the pearl of great price, the word of God, a lie. They say their temples today are just like the temple in ancient Israel, a lie. And then in an almost opposite form of deception... The missionaries usually fail or refuse to inform those they teach what Mormonism believes or once believed, like matter cannot be created or destroyed even by God himself, that God obeyed eternal laws and principles uh, so that when he was a man, he could become a God. They don't tell people that God has a wife or wives, that God has a father who has a father who has a father who has a father that Satan is our spirit brother along with Jesus, that the planet closest to, glob, uh, to, to God is called Kolob, named up by Joseph Smith, that black people are black because of spiritual negligence before coming to this earth and or because Cain is their forefather, that Adam was God, that Adam's rebellion against God's command was a good and noble act that God the Father in a body of flesh inseminated Mary, that she was not overshadowed by the Holy Spirit to conceive the Lord, that Jesus was married to Mary, the sister of Lazarus, that Jesus atoned for sin in the Garden of Gethsemane, that David was not forgiven for his sins, and that, the, uh, and that a person who sheds innocent blood cannot ever be forgiven for their sins, but if they want at least to try, they have to shed their own blood, because Jesus' blood is not enough. That the apostles of the Lord uh, back in the day kicked the guts out of Judas Iscariot to practice blood atonement. That all Christians are shrouded in ignorance. That if you don't believe Joseph Smith was a prophet of God, you are damned. That there is no salvation available without Mormonism. That enjoying a cup of coffee might keep you out of heaven. That a person must wear temple garments day and night in order to be obedient to the covenants they have made before God and therefore to please him. That good works are mandatory to getting salvation. That paying tithing is a form of end time fire insurance. That a person has to know secret handshakes to get in heaven, four of them. That there are four secret signs, words, and phrases that go along with those handshakes that are needed to get in heaven that man may become a God, that man may have more than one wife to become a God, or that Joseph Smith said that he has more to boast of, including Jesus Christ, uh, than any man on the face of this earth. Then after one deceptive meeting or another, these missionaries are likely to start shedding tears, bearing testimony, and claiming to be Christian. Does it sound Christian to you? We're going to open up the phone lines, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. We love LDS callers, first-time callers, callers who are not under the influence of drugs and alcohol, uh, callers who have been out of the mental ward for at least a month. Okay. If you meet those qualifications, that's myself included. I can't host a show if I've been in the middle ward within the past month. Okay, listen, our ability to remain on the air is directly tied to you. Everything we do, we pay for. Printing of books, creating and managing our websites, airing programs on television. God has been very good to us, and we believe it is because he's prompted you to support us through prayer. doesn't have to always be money or only money. Prayer volunteerism sharing the program with your neighbors wherever you are and monetarily for those in a position to help and so led so take a look We're back. We're going to go to the phone lines. We have Anonymous and Ogden, Michelle and Sandy, Katie and Magna. Let's try Anonymous first. Anani, you're on the air.
3: Hey, Sean. Good evening. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Excellent. Okay. Uh, First, I'd like to just uh, point out that the the LDS would consider being sealed in the temple as as an extremely sacred thing, right? Like the top, top, tippity-top, right? Time and all eternity, all that jazz. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got a little handicap. And then I'll ask a question after that if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my brother-in-law, his brother, he got married, sealed in the temple. Um, you know, did all that, and he ended up cheating on his wife, uh, committing adultery. They ended up getting a temple divorce, and now the woman that he had the divorce or had the affair with, he ended up moving in with her, had a child with her, and now is going to get sealed to her in a temple, and. So I'm just wondering how that works, because he was excommunicated after he did all that, and then he had to go and get baptized again and be you know, brought back in and all that. So I'm just wondering how that works, that you know, he can be excommunicated for adultery and then he can just go and come back in oh yeah, go get sealed again. It
1: all works off the, off the basis of, are you going to be loyal to the church? Here's how it works. Your brother or whoever, let's just say a guy, he has a wife, they're married and sealed in the LDS temple, he has an affair on her, they get divorced and uh, he's excommunicated, and she, who's been cheated on, becomes bitter by it, and she doesn't remain active, but he goes back after his excommunication, says, I'm really sorry, I want to repent of this, and that's fine. Repentance is always fine, but he can go back with the woman he had the affair with, and he can be sealed to her, as long as his heart is not angry toward the church. It's always based on are you a friend or foe of the church? And if you have done things in your past, even if innocent people are hurt along the way, you can always benefit by staying uh, uh, active and faithful to the church, even if you failed in keeping their commandments. And that's just the, the way it is. They want people to keep their commandments. They want to keep people under the law. But when someone breaks it up, If one person goes bitter who's innocent and one person stays faithful who's guilty, the guilty will always win in the Mormon Church.
3: Oh, man. And it probably doesn't hurt that his father is really high up in the the state government. That probably doesn't hurt. Not at all. (laughs) All right, Sean. I just want to say love your show. That was my question. Thank
1: you. Hey, it's a good one. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. We're going to uh, Michelle and Sandy. Michelle, you're on Heart of the Matter.
2: Hey, Sean.
1: Hi.
2: Question. Uh help me understand what a graven image is. I guess that the question stems from when I look at that giant statue at the temple square of, of Jesus.
1: Yeah, it's wild, huh? It,
2: it never really gives me the warm fuzzies like you think it would. I'm yeah. wondering what your thoughts are on that.
1: It's really a uh, really good question, Michelle. You see, uh, the Old Testament, God says to the children of Israel, don't make any graven images. And, and then he kind of gives a, a laundry list and he says, Nothing with four, uh, four-footed beasts, nothing with feathers, uh, nothing from man, nothing from the stars. He, he brings out every single thing. He says, don't make any images of this. And uh, he takes that seriously. And so that uh, uh, carries through, and no one really should have a graven image of him. Now, I was trained at the Calvary Chapel School of Ministry, and I know Calvary Chapel. They're, they're not big. They're, they're stores and everything. They're not real big on pictures of Jesus. They don't, they don't like paintings and portraits of because they feel like, hey, you know, we worship Jesus in spirit and truth, not by looking at that picture that probably isn't even reflective of how he looked. Uh, so some churches take it more seriously than others and they take it to that length. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But Mormonism, interestingly enough, has a... Uh, like, 25-foot white, whited statue, and they call it the Christus, and it's in the uh, LDS Visitor Center, and I guess that's supposed to make them look Christian. You know, I don't know, but uh, it certainly is a graven image, according to what God says.
2: Yeah, that's what I thought as well, and and I try I to, uh, you know, understand why we can have pictures of Christ, but, you know, like you said, it, it never really gives me the warm fuzzies to see even... To be honest, it's a Christian to see even pictures of them because we truly do not
1: know what
2: they look like. And and, and that giant statue is basically, even when I was a Mormon, it it really never really uh, worked with me.
1: (laughs) You know, uh, Michelle, the thing that ticks me off about them is uh, they, they have over time, and you can probably, if somebody wanted to take the time, they could do kind of a history of the changes of how Jesus looks in the Mormon church and he he looks like kind of a nephite warrior a lot of the time and now he's got now now he's this dude and he's got these perfectly white teeth and blue eyes and surfer hair and a tan and he's like it's like that eh. and you know isaiah says jesus had nothing that we would look upon him and want he was not beautiful he was not comely he was not handsome he was like a dry a dry reed grown out of dry ground. He was not physically attractive that men would look on him and say, I'm gonna follow him. And they've put up this they, I mean, Jesus looks like a pretty rough carpenter up there at the Christos that they've carved out. He's probably, I mean, quite frankly, a little Jewish man who uh, was, was, was skinny and probably didn't have the hair that we think he had, and he probably was not attractive, maybe a hook nose, because that comes with uh, uh, the Semitic people. And uh, this, is not this, this is not just like a, uh, 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 anything in bigotry or prejudice, it's just the truth. And I love that man with all my heart. And I am more attracted to that man than anybody. And, but it's not a physical thing, and they've made it that. So you make a really good point, Michelle.
2: Well, I wonder, Sean, when, when you see the people walking by that statue with their, you know, almost in awe yeah. of it, you know, are they really looking at Jesus or are they looking at that, that awesome statue? Got you. Yeah. They're looking
1: at the physical representation. They look at the name, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and that gives them this feeling. It's almost like patriotism. It's like they walk in, they see a giant statue of Eisenhower or Patton, and they're like, gosh, I'm proud to be an American. They see the picture, the thing of Jesus, and like, I am proud to be a Mormon. But they don't have that thing. If they did, they'd say, tear that thing down. Yeah. You know, my Lord, don't put him in some figure that doesn't look like him at all. Whew.
2: Well, we're on the same page, and I appreciate your show. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Michelle. Take care. Bye. We're going to Katie and Magna. Katie, you're on Heart of the Matter.
4: Okay. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. You're on the air. you got to turn your TV down.
4: Turn the TV down.
1: Okay. You're on the phone. Yes. You're on the air.
4: He's still talking to the girl
1: before. That's because your TV's on.
4: Turn the TV off. <laughs> Completely. I got that.
1: You, you're getting it now? Yep. All right, Katie, you're on the air.
4: Oh, uh, Sean?
1: Yeah, it's me.
4: Hi. Okay, one, we have only heard of your, my husband and I, of your show for the last three weeks. This is the third week and um, it's a breath of fresh air.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, we all need a breath of fresh air.
4: <laughs> oh, it is really out loud and in the open and on TV. I am so proud of you.
1: Cheers, sister. Okay,
4: my question is okay, I moved to Brigham City from California when I was nine. Thank God. And I don't understand how many, how so many so intelligent people doctors, lawyers, chemists, scientists can believe in this ludicrous
1: ludicrous I like that word
4: yeah ludicrous religion and when especially when they must not use the Bible at all that must be another lie because the Bible contradicts it now
5: it
1: also says how
4: do, we... do all these people that I can see
1: are intelligent. How do
4: they believe in their
1: faith? Well, let me answer that for you. I'm going to answer it offline. Thank you, Katie. Now you can turn your TV back up. Let me answer that. Um, These intelligent people, and they are intelligent people, uh, intelligence does not make the Christian. In fact, Scripture generally in the New Testament points out that Uh, We Christians are not at the height of the intelligent uh, uh, thing here, really. We have a few that are pretty smart people, but most of us are probably average intelligence. We're not really strong in any way, really, in terms of the flesh. And because God doesn't necessarily call, I mean, doesn't necessarily reach people who are superior in intelligence or in physical strength or in all those things. It takes a very, it takes a certain type for God to reach. Anyway, uh, intelligence does not create faith. It just creates knowledge, and they have great knowledge of Mormonism, but the greatest distance on earth to exist on this planet is between the head and the heart, and they have all the head knowledge of all this stuff, but they can't get it into their heart what it really means when they read the Bible. They read it and intelligently get it, but it doesn't sit here the place where it needs to. Now, the Om Karan, I think that's the name how you pronounce them, in, uh, in Japan, they were a cult. They're the ones who put the sarin gas in the subways. They were uh, like 90% PhDs. You know, intelligence does not equate to people of faith. Uh, humility and, and a search and a heart for God equates to people of faith. So the fact that they have chemists and doctors and lawyers and they kind of are growing and growing and growing in that, it's irrelevant, in my opinion. What God wants is the humble heart and uh, probably works against him, in fact. All right, Anne in Salt Lake City, you're on Heart of the Matter, Anne.
0: Oh, hi. I have a grant. My son is LDS, married into the LDS Church. Uh-huh. He was brought up, brought up Catholic. I am no longer Catholic. I go to Calvary Chapel, however... My question is She is going to get baptized next week uh, for the love of my granddaughter I would like to show up because she's my granddaughter I on the other hand do not want to show up because I do not support all their practices yeah she's eight years old and she's getting baptized so what's your what's your uh, comment on that should I go should I stay away from it
1: my, my, my uh, position is always, always, always with family, you show forth more love. You go, you, uh, you treat your granddaughter with great kindness and love, and, and you continue to show her the support and love and through the events of her life, and someday she will come to you because she knows you are love, and she will ask you uh, questions that you're going to then be in a position to answer. What happens with many people, and I understand your heart to be so angered by the, the farce, is that they don't show up to things like the LDS baptism, and then the parents will say, well, she doesn't like this, and the parents start talking down, and then the, the child is it has a wedge put in between you and them for maybe even life, and they never get to know the testimony and the love that you have of Jesus as the only source of salvation. So I would suggest... You go, and of course, you could. Uh, you know, you don't have to stand or do anything that they do in that thing. You be kind. You love her. You always. And if she comes to visit your house because of the love you've shown in years to come, you talk to her about Jesus and Jesus and Jesus. And those seeds will not return void. And I hope that people who are. Uh, we get a lot of emails from people saying, "How do I handle this situation with my inner religious family?" My friends are more. Go support, love the person. And when the person loves you enough and trusts you and comes to you, you set them straight with the facts. Does that help? Yes, dear,
0: it does. And so uh, next question, where do I get a cup like yours? This one? Yeah.
1: Uh, This uh, was made by uh, Danita, and I'll have to ask her how she made them, where she got them, and we'll see if we can get more. You like it?
0: Yes, I do. I do. I thought I have to get one of those cups.
1: Would you like what's in it?
0: Uh, no, I don't drink coffee or or uh, water. ice water. I just drink water.
1: All right. <laughs> Thanks for calling in. God bless you. God bless you too, Sean. Bye bye. We're going to Jake in Michigan. First time caller. Jake, you're on Heart of the Matter.
5: Uh, yeah, Sean. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
5: I'm, I'm good. Um, I'm just gonna get right into it. Um, I went out to Utah about two years uh, about yeah two years ago. Um, I got invited to go out there to Postal, um, and I was in Park City. I fell in love with a Mormon girl, Um, and I wasn't necessarily strong in my faith in Christianity. But um, I found out everything uh, of of what the Mormons believe. Um, And I don't when I when I I asked the family, I asked their I asked the family why was Jesus crucified? Um, Why is it that they couldn't answer that question? I know I don't think you know the answer, and I know the answer. And I don't want to say in the air, but why is it that they can't answer why Jesus, the exact reason why he was crucified?
1: Well, I'll tell you, uh, one of the big criticisms that the Mormon church has against Christianity is they say there are so many different denominations that all believe different things. In reality, Christianity essentially all believe in the same core things. There's only a few things that we differ on, like in terms of modes of baptism. The opposite is true with Mormonism. You can go to a given ward and sit down and ask 20 people the same question, and you literally will get about 20 different answers. So what, the first right. thing that happens, Jake, is they're afraid to answer you. They don't okay. really <laughs> know.
5: Because they, they claim that they're they're a, a true restoration of Christ's ministry, but they can't answer why he was crucified. So if they're if they're a true the true church, then why can't they answer why Jesus was crucified? He was. Jesus was breaking the law. Jesus rode in on, uh, to, into Jerusalem on a Sunday, in which um, basically you couldn't travel more than a quarter mile on sunday to Keep the Sabbath holy. He traveled into Jerusalem on a Sunday. He was breaking the law. Now five days later, he was the Roman guards came in and basically arrested him, and they put him up on on charges. But what the, the you charges know, what were what
1: sedition charge and blasphemy? Bringing him up on. The charges were sedition and blasphemy, but that's a side point. Uh, Really, the point is, is they're afraid to answer. And when they do answer, you will get a number of different responses. Now, I would have to suggest, Jake, that they're embarrassed by their faith. Most LDS, if they know that you're a Bible-believing Christian, will not dialogue with you because they're embarrassed by the facts of their faith. So what they do is they pull back into the corner of a thing called testimony. They say, I know the church is true. I just know it's true. It doesn't matter. I know it's true. And that's what they cover on. Forget the facts. Forget the whys. Forget this. And then bottom line, they really do believe that the crucifixion was just a barbarous form of a death penalty. It did serve to take the life of Jesus, but he really did atone for sin in the Garden of Gethsemane. They may have been embarrassed to share that, too.
5: And they, and they crucif- he, he, just like all the Mormons, uh, you know, their, their faith um, is so built on that they will become gods one day. But do they know that Jesus was crucified because he called himself God?
1: They, they may know that as a fact, but it hasn't sunk into their heart.
5: Okay, all right.
1: Love you, brother. Take care.
5: Yes, God bless you, Sean. Um, you're, you're touching my heart. You're touching my heart, and I hope you reach out to every single one of the LDS, uh, in the LDS space, because they need it, too.
1: Thanks, my friend. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Uh, Off-air, caller wants to know Sean's view of how it looks like the Mormon running for president is going to get it. The Mormon, whoever he is, running for president uh, any Mormon who is running for president, uh, uh, to me, to me, and I could be wrong. God has different ways, of course, and his ways are far superior than than my puny opinion. But to me, when Mormons win, uh, anything or when the, when the guy on Jeopardy from Salt Lake City won the most amount, Mormonism wins. When a Mormon wins dancing with the stars, Mormonism wins. Uh, it's just, it just when the, the front man to the killers, Brandon Flowers, uh, has a hit record, Mormonism wins. Donnie and Marie, Mormonism wins. And so it, the same holds true, in my opinion, for a, uh, an LDS president, whether it be a female or a male or, or whatever. Now, here's the important point, and I want to make this clear. People always liken the religious differences. I, I hear Christians today saying, hey, we're not looking for a theologian in chief. We're looking for a commander-in-chief. i got to tell you something. Would you vote in a, uh, a, a, a raving fundamentalist uh, Muslim into office as the commander-in-chief? I mean, we're not in voting in a theologian-in-chief, so why not put anybody in that office? So it doesn't carry water even in the Christian community, and the talk radio shows that, that we listen to. I want to tell you the difference between putting a, any Mormon, whoever they might be, into office and putting in a Catholic or anybody else. Here is the difference. A Mormon a faithful Latter-day Saint goes into a stone edifice after qualifying through a series of questions and he or she raises their hand to the square and they swear, quote, before God, angels, and witnesses that they will and they make covenants and the covenants that they make are all allegiance to the Mormon church, to the Mormon leadership, to giving everything that they have and everything that they will have to the building up of the Mormon church. If a Mormon candidate for presidency has gone through the temple, wears those garments, he or she has made that oath. And I gotta tell you, that oath before God, angels, and witnesses in that stone temple says, nothing comes before my religion, nothing. They are as ardent in their faith if they've gone through that temple as a fundamentalist uh, Muslim but the Christian community wants somebody who shows good family values there in office. And so we'll throw our vote at anybody who looks nice. It's insane what we have done and what we're doing and it's gonna to continue to go south and Mormonism will continue to prosper. Can you imagine the missionaries in Japan? Hi, we're from the Church of Jesus Christ, the last states. You're Mormon? Yeah, you're President Mormon, yes! Come in, come in, come in! I mean, it's insane how the Mormon church will win by this and these idiot evangelicals who think they're so pious and here to try to fix the world of all its social ills think we need to put a Mormon in the office because that's gonna help us now. We are stupid and we deserve exactly what we get I think but that's my opinion now. Now, (laughs) on the other hand, God, almighty God may say, let's put a Mormon in the office and let's make it popular so that people will get online and people will tune into things and people go to utlm.org and they'll start reading books and then they'll start getting wise and Mormonism might shrink. You know, when people start getting informed, we don't know. God's ways are so much superior. My ranting and raving, just from me. We turn it to God and trust in him. Amen. Laura asked if there's already a wedge between family members for not attending someone's baptism, how do you correct that? I'd apologize. I'd say, you know, I haven't really been supportive of you and your lifestyle and things. Uh, I'm sorry. I've gotten up on my high horse a little bit Is, is in my faith. That happens sometimes with all of us. Uh, forgive me. I want to be someone who loves, someone who trusts Jesus and Jesus alone. If you want to mention that, if you don't, just go to them and apologize. Even if you're, even if you're uh, uh, right and, and, and just go and apologize, take the humble approach and, and bridge the gaps between. You remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, he says, if you go to the altar and you have a gift that you're going to present before God, and you remember somebody has ought against you, run. Get over there and you fix that first. Leave your gift at the altar. Leave your offerings of money. Leave all your stuff. Leave all your religious service. Leave all your stuff. Leave it at the altar. You go and you reconcile with that person. And you make sure it's right. And then come back and offer the gift. So you go and you reconcile. This is the Christian command. We love. We always love. We love everybody. Even Mormon presidents, we love and we share truth and love, and that's my opinion on it. Let's go to uh, Marcia and Ogden, first time caller. Marcia, you're on Heart of the Matter.
6: Good evening, Sean. Um, Good evening. I have, my question is, I had been at one point in time a convert to the church for a few years. Yeah. I had gone to the temple and and everything, and um, you brought up a, a statement a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was rather interesting. Um, and I thought, well, I would try to get hold of you to get some clarification on it because I know from what you said in the past that you've been a member of the church longer than I have. You for the whole, your yeah. whole entire life. Forty years. Regarding the spire on uh, the lord houses. Yeah. And I think you made the comment that it um, pointed to uh, the. Church members' uh, progression to heaven, or whatever, and I always heard that that was supposed to represent the nail in in the yeah. hand when you go through the veil and ha- have the uh, five points of fellowship through the veil and everything, and you put your finger on the priesthood yeah. on the other side of the the male guy on the other side of the veil, and you say the five points of fellowship through the veil, and I always was under the. A concept, that that
1: referred to the nail. Now, I, you, I, had, you know, maybe... Could maybe,
6: you clarify that for me? I really you, appreciate
1: it. I don't know. Uh, I have not heard that. And so I'm not saying that you're wrong. Maybe in some uh, LDS circles that's popular and that's... You know, there is folklore in Mormonism and maybe that's what's passed around. Uh, maybe it didn't reach where I grew up and so I never heard that. But I know that the whole purpose of the church... Uh, They have three uh, mission statements, but the whole purpose is really to bring men and women and take bad men, make them better, take good men, make them best. It's all about progress, and so you'll often find there, in their architecture things leading up, pointing up, growing, and if you do a study of the uh, architecture of the temples of, of old, you see a lot of that symbolism. So I've always been under the impression, and I think there was a Sunstone article uh, that I read years ago that talked about the spires and what they represented, but I could be wrong, and maybe you're bringing something to light that we don't know about, and, and we appreciate it.
6: Actually, yours made sense, I mean, it, it was interesting. And, you know, personally, when I thought that it was supposed to be the nail, I thought, if it were me and having something on top of a church, I wouldn't want a nail poking in me. I'd rather have the cross.
1: Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for the call. Thank you. God bless. Listen, we're going to wrap it up with this. Last week, I read a short article from the St. George newspaper that promoted a a Christmas uh, show. Uh, there uh, that said Jesus, comma Joseph Smith, an LDS man, call and tried to prove on air that Mormons do not revere anything any more than J- uh, Jesus. That Joseph Smith isn't in the equa- uh, in the equation. A viewer named John C. sent us an email and he said, Hey, Sean, I wanted to comment on one caller in particular named Kevin from Orum. He made the statement, Our church celebrates the birth of our Savior, and there is nothing in our church that we celebrate more than our Savior and His life and His sacrifice. And then he says, Read this article, and he put me in an article that was uh, by. Christine Fredrickson, Deseret News, December 18th. Christine Fredrickson, Deseret News, December 18th. It's too long to read the whole time, but what he writes, what Christine writes here in the Deseret News, the name of the article is Two December Births to Celebrate, Jesus Christ and Joseph Smith. And she starts off, years ago, a child was born in an obscure village to poor parents, residing in a dwelling they did not own, but one that was made available to them through the kindness of others. The child grew to be an extraordinary individual, and though he died before his 40th birthday, he transformed the society and world in which he lived. December 23rd will mark the 207th anniversary of the birth of Joseph Smith, the prophet of the Restoration. Joseph entered the world on a a cold Monday morning, and and he goes on, and then she goes on, and then she mentions Jesus in literally one tenth of this article that says Jesus and Joseph Smith, two December births to celebrate. She gives uh, ten percent of that article to talking about Jesus. Ninety percent, Deseret News, LDS owned newspaper, LDS writer in the paper just last year. 90% 90% to Joseph Smith, 10% to Jesus. Call from Orem last week, you are full of it. All right, my ugly faces are just my face. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.